hope you've all got your Bibles open at our passage. And uh, Jenny asked me, what, what was the highlight of 2022 for you? And I replied, replied immediately, well, getting new teeth and having hearing aids. And then I thought a little more and I said, no, actually, the real blessing of 2022 was a new granddaughter. And she's absolutely gorgeous. We're so blessed with her. And, of course, we asked the question, what will 2023 be like? Homelessness, poverty and food banks are on the increase. Financial crisis as triple blows of Brexit, COVID and the Russian invasion of Ukraine come home to roost. Famine, floods, political power plays leading to rearmament, refugees and xenophobia. Accelerated effects of climate change. The threat of climate bombs like that which hit the United States. Poisonous social media trolls encouraging bigotry, intolerance and persecution of those who will not give space to any opinions other than their own. And what of the institutional church of Jesus Christ in 2023? Absorbed in making daisy chains out of our own internal angst, whilst humanity and its home world go to hell in a handcart? Now, that may seem a, a jaundiced and pessimistic view of the year ahead. And I suggest that all those issues and crises that will occur for us personally and beyond our control can be seen through the transformative picture seen from our readings. So let me paint it for you. Uh, and I have to say, this was going to be a triptych. Three paintings to look at. I'm reducing it to one for obvious reasons this morning. Uh, and it's, uh, let me, the three pictures would have been this. Salvation was seen, light has shone, and souls are pierced. And I'm going to focus down to that one picture, the final picture. Souls are pierced. And you ask yourself the question, do I have a pierced soul? But first, a quick look around the gallery where these pictures are hung. Now, whenever we read Luke's Gospel, uh, look at his introduction. Go back, very first chapter, first four verses, Luke introduces his Gospel, and he says he has researched carefully, and he writes an orderly account. And so the shape of his book and the sequence of events he incorporates are significant for his purpose. Luke hangs the story of Jesus' birth upon three songs. Mary's song, the Magnificat, my soul glorifies the Lord. Zachariah's song, the Benedictus, praise be to the God of Israel. And Simeon's song, the Nunc Dimittis, now dismiss your servant in peace. And, and this beautiful song, sung usually uh, recited at the evening prayer of the church uh, late at night, uh, traditionally used, we used it for... Um, vowed funeral uh, just a few weeks ago at the end of the service. Now let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen. Why these songs? They're rich in meaning, and they drive us back into Jewish history. You know, I don't know if it's better with or without my socks. 
they drive us back into Jewish history and also into the first century world of Judaism, Greek culture, and the Roman Empire. And if we really want to understand what the Bible is saying to us, we need to have a sense of that time. And Luke's aim is to inform Theophilus, lover of God, don't know if it's uh, a special name or a real person, Luke's aim is to inform Theophilus of God's big picture within the epoch in which Jesus was born, lived and died. And we too need to learn our own spiritual history because the Old Testament and the New Testament worldviews are our heritage as well. So what's the context for Simeon's song? Now the law stated that every firstborn male had to be dedicated to God and with a sacrifice 40 days or so after its birth. And this tradition commemorated the passing over of the homes of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt when God's judgment fell upon the firstborn sons of Pharaoh, of Pharaoh and his subjects. And the Hebrew children were redeemed by the blood of the Passover lambs sprinkled upon the lintels and the doorposts of their homes. And it is because of that tradition that Mary and Joseph had brought their baby son to the temple in Jerusalem. So Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he praised God for his birth in verse 28. And in verse 34, we're told he blessed Mary and Joseph. Now, uh, an interesting sidebar here is that in the Book of Common Prayer, which we use occasionally, not as regularly as we used to do, there is a, a little service called the Churching of Women. And it, it, it's an occasion when traditionally and uh, publicly a family with a, a safe delivery of a new baby and, and the mother publicly thank God in worship for the safe delivery of mother and child and to ask God's blessing upon the family as Simeon blessed this family at that time. And then baptism follows uh, that service of thanksgiving uh, as and when. So he here then is, is the gallery in which these pictures in, uh, and the picture particularly of the monk Domitius are hung. So having a sense of it, let's look at the prophetic picture of, uh, for those who face a future like Mary, jumping straight to the one picture. Souls are pierced. Simeon looked at Mary and said to her particularly, verse 34, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. I'm not going to unpack that this morning, but focus upon the final phrase, the final sentence. And Simeon looked at Mary and said, a sword will pierce your own soul also. So in 2023, do you face the new year with a pierced soul, fearfully uncertain, insecure about what may lie ahead for you? Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Jesus' mother, and remember, these words are spoken to one young mum in the temple court in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. These words spoken by the Holy Spirit through Simeon 
are said today in 2023 to us here in Sidcup. You and I are Mary, for we belong to this same fabulous family of faith. Simeon's prophecy was fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. It is fulfilled subsequently in every nation, in every age, as it seems God's people are pierced again and again right to their very heart. And this prophecy is fulfilled through the body of Christ, the blending, that blending of Jew and Gentile to make us all one in Messiah, Jesus. Here is God's message for Jesus' people here in Sitka and in all the nations in 2023 as the Holy Spirit determines. Breaking down the non-committed and this prophecy, Simeon says to Mary, your son is going to be for the falling and rising of many in Israel Before you can be raised, you have to realize that you have fallen. And that's something for us to reflect upon. This child of yours is going to be a sign spoken against. He's going to have a target on his back. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. How did Mary cope with what was happening to her son? The thoughts of many hearts are going to be revealed. And Luke has an interesting statement in his 22nd chapter of his gospel where Peter has said, Lord, we'll never desert you. You can trust in me, come what may. And then Peter denies Jesus three times. And he said, Jesus had said to him, look, Peter, you're going to deny me before the cock crows. And when the cock crowed and Peter had denied Jesus, Luke said, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. The Lord looked into his very heart, into the very depths of his being. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the cock crowed today, you will deny him three times. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. And there will be times when we shed bitter tears over what we have done with for Jesus and the damage, perhaps, we feel we may have caused. And that is part of the pain that Mary had to bear. You see, this is crucial for this morning, the beginning of the new year, and, and really for every day in the new year. God says through Simeon, through Mary, and of course, you pierce your own soul also. This is not something just simply going to happen to the world at large, to other people. Mary, you are intimately involved in this. And you know, we're called to be spiritually tough people for hard places. Tough people for hard places. And that is where we stand at the beginning of this new year as the Church of Jesus Christ. Like Simeon, maybe we're playing a waiting game. Looking to the God, trusting in God, waiting for his answers, not knowing when they will come or how they will come. Like Mary, facing a lifetime with this baby after the incredible experiences of the nativity. And of course, Mary had an understandable interest in Simeon's prophecy about her baby son, didn't she? She was his mum. And Mary, of course, would pierce your own heart too. 
That sword will bring a true suffering because you're my faithful servant and because you are a mum and you know what you're going through. And I want to hang that in connection with another tremendous statement and I'm going to Hebrews chapter 4 to unpack and reflect upon Simeon's prophecy to Mary. It's Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, perhaps you know it well. For the word of God is live and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of hearts. What does that mean? In the light of the sword that will pierce Mary's heart. The most um, consciously painful invasive surgery I've experienced was a lumbar puncture. And uh, whilst it was being administered, there was a nurse in front of me holding my hands and, and, and I was screaming a herodity or something like that. I can't quite remember, but it was extremely painful at the time, many, many years ago. And there is a sort of circumstance and we say, why me, why me? But behind that sort of circumstance, there is the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Paul speaks about it in Ephesians uh, as, as um, the weapon of our warfare, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the Word of God in our own lives, it can thrust through our hurts, through our assumptions, through the emotional maelstrom of our hurts, our fears, our doubts, our lusts, our longings. Our ego defenses cannot withstand God's incredible microsurgery to that mysterious interface between joints and marrow, soul and spirit. The word of God speaks deeply and we can batten down the hatches against it, but if we're seeking to walk with the Lord, it will be there. And the amazing thing is in the midst of the pain and the agony and the, uh, and, and, and the hurt, there is a tremendous sense of, of God is doing his work. You see, no matter how proud and egotistical we may be, Jesus sees us as we really are. He sees through the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. His blood shed upon that cross is applied with forgiveness and healing. And with his touch upon our lives, he cauterizes our wounds, applies the renewing ointment of the Holy Spirit, and refreshes us with the water of life. And the wounds of our loving, our suffering, our painful parenthood, our wilderness wandering, well, they're like the wounds of our dear Savior, whose crucifixion, those wounds were visible in Jesus' resurrection body as Thomas knelt before him and said, my Lord and my God. We may carry the pain, but those wounds can heal and their scars upon our lives become badges of Jesus' glorious presence. They become tokens of his matchless grace to us. He makes the wounded spirit whole. He calms the troubled breast. His manner to the hungry soul and to the weary rest. Well, what does it all mean? Mary was a servant of Jesus, so are we. Luke tells us that Mary treasured all these early experiences in her heart. Now, some traditions try to put Mary on a pedestal to make her a kind of um, uh, guard dog 
to keep us from God except going through her. That's the best uh, PA you've ever had. John tells us, doesn't he, in that first miracle, the wedding of Cana in Galilee, in, in John, John's Gospel, chapter 2, how they had the crisis over the wine running out, and uh, Jesus pointed the people at the feast to Jesus. He pointed to her son, and she said, do whatever he tells you. The key thing here is Jesus will, Mary will always lead us to her son. Mary will always lead us to Jesus. Do whatever he tells you. So any kind of devotion to Mary that stops us getting to Jesus straight away um, is a bit out of kilter. Do whatever he tells you. That is Mary's word. That is the mother's word about her son. That is Mary accepting Jesus and his authority. He's cut the apron strings. Now, in his second essay to Theophilus um, by Luke, what we call the Acts of the Apostles, Mary, despite the sorrows of a pierced heart, is there with other believers, a prayer, an ordinary person just like us, an ordinary follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, of Jesus Christ. And, and as Adam reminded us on Christmas morning, um, God made the ordinary extraordinary. And of course, Mary was extraordinary. Uh, and you, my brothers and sisters, you are extraordinary too because of the grace of God at work in your heart as he worked in Mary's heart. Not in such a spectacular, stupendous way perhaps, but in a totally amazing way as he turns your life around and brings you through the pain with his constant loving presence. We are extraordinary by the grace of God, just like Mary. At the Annunciation, Mary said when the angel spoke to her, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Can we say that? Can you say that? Can I say that? I am the Lord's servant. Come what may, may your word to me be fulfilled. And when she heard that prophecy from Simeon, a sword would pierce your own heart too. What went through her mind at that time? I don't know. But she was there at the end, after the resurrection, in the upper room, with the other 120 believers praying and worshipping God. On one occasion, Jesus said, this is from John chapter 6, uh, where he'd been speaking to the crowds, and uh, a great many of them left because they couldn't take his teaching. And Jesus said to his disciples, are you going to leave me too? And Peter replied, to whom could we go? You have the words of eternal life. Is it getting really, really tough for you? To whom can you go? He has the words of eternal life. He has life for you and through you and in you through others. Why am I telling you this? Well, has your mother's heart, your father's heart, your child's heart been pierced because you see the suffering of those whom you love and for whom you care? And maybe in those circumstances you feel so powerless. Well, here is good news for pierced hearts. The sword of the Spirit is far more effective than the sword of circumstances. It's the sword that pierces even deeper. Its blade is finer. Its point sharper. 
and that sword is wielded with surgical precision by the master fencer. Sometimes the word of God will pierce the very depths of our being like a stab to the heart. And sometimes it seems God cleaves us in two with a cavalry saber kind of weapon. What microsurgery can achieve in skillful hands is what God's message can accomplish in our hearts and minds, our souls and spirits. And both Simeon and Mary were smitten by the word of God and the spirit of God. But the imagery of the soldier with a sword or the surgeon with a scalpel, well, <coughs> the point is we become wounded healers. We bear the scars, the battle scars of life with Jesus following our Lord. Jesus carries wounds, the wounds of his passion in his resurrection body. Every communion service we report his body broken, his blood shed for us. Not all the blood of priests on Jewish altars flowing could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away my stain. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all my spirit away. A sacrifice is richer blood and nobler life than bone. Through the cracks in our armor, God's message finds our vitals and works his sometimes searingly painful ministry. And if we fall by grace, we rise. Until we fall, we cannot rise. And so we fall on our knees at the cross and the word comes unto us. Soldier of Christ, arise. Put your armor on. Go forth in the name of Jesus. Mary's yes to God at the Annunciation was her commitment to her unique work, even to the point of utmost pain, like a sword piercing her own heart. And no matter what this year may hold, the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of our years, isn't he? He leads, he guides, he blesses, he provides, he revives. As with Simeon, to hold the word of God close to his heart. And as with Mary, may be a pierced heart too. So with us this year, as the Holy Spirit does his work and the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, cauterizes our wounds, our hurts, our fears and our doubts. Like Simeon, we rest in the Lord. We wait patiently for him. Psalm 37. So what do we carry into 2023? We carry our scars as wounded healers. We are wounded, yet we have that healing ministry. The healing ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ to carry to others. Like Simeon and Mary, we become soaked in scripture as we rest upon the promises of God's word. Oh, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. He will give you your heart's desire. Where is your heart? Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we cannot understand it. We cannot take it in what you have done for us upon the cross. Uh, but as we face this new year, we look back with praise and thanksgiving that you have led us to this place. You have led us to this moment sitting on these hard pews in this cold building, yet our hearts are warmed by your love and your presence with us. 
and we put ourselves into your hands to recognize ahead. Not to focus upon our own problems, our issues, but to know you're walking with us and taking us step by step, day by day. And as we walk in the light, so the light flows in the deepest darkness and you are glorified. Thank you, Lord.